Okay, on to enjoying the truth about God the Father, because Jesus, when his disciples said, teach us how to pray, he said, this is how you should pray. Father. That's how you start. That's how you address God. Father. As we place our full trust in Jesus the Son, Jesus invites us into his sonship. So we actually get to be a son, a child of God as he is. He invites us into his sonship. And so when Jesus was baptized and he came up out of the water in the Jordan River, the heavens opened up and uh, the Spirit descended on him like a dove and then a voice from heaven said, this is my dearly loved Son who brings me great joy. The Father speaks to the Son. As we trust Jesus, we get in Jesus' Sonship. So now God the Father looks at you and says, you are my dearly loved children. You bring me great joy. God is Father. And we get to enjoy that truth. Uh, kind of the picture for the series, you know, strong dad lowers his hand so the little kid can reach up and grab on with their tiny little fingers. You know, the dad doesn't shake loose and walk away. Dad stays there. Glad to have his child hold on. Make sure it's doable. It's kind of a beginning feeling or understanding of God as Father. Now, last week we renounced the lie that God is insensitive, doesn't know us, and doesn't care for us. And we chose to believe the biblical truth that Father God is kind and compassionate and knows every single thing about us. So when we reach out for God's help, so to speak, he lowers his hand and he's glad to let us hang on. He'll help us out. And part of that God is Father uh, theme in the Bible is God the Father parents. God the Father parents me and you. So that means we surrender our life to Jesus. We enter this relationship with God the Father. God the Father begins to be actively involved in our lives every day through the power of the Holy Spirit to grow us up in the people he created us to be. Now some of us had fathers that were good providers, but they left the parenting to mom. They just didn't do it. Some of us had dads who were good providers, and they, 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 they tried to, to parent us and help us grow up, but it, we could tell it was kind of awkward for them. They, they felt uncomfortable. And some of us had dads who provided well, and they were very intentional about helping us grow up and parent. But regardless of our experience with our earthly father, scriptures really care that God, our heavenly father, is actively, intentionally involved in parenting us. So in the book of Hebrews, there's a passage in chapter 12 that reads this way. It talks about discipline, and actually, uh, don't think you know what discipline means yet. We'll get to describing that a little bit in, in, in a moment. As you endure this divine discipline, remember that God is treating you as his own children. Who has ever heard of a child who is never disciplined by its father? If God doesn't discipline you, as he does all his children... It means that you are illegitimate and not really his children at all. Since we respected our earthly fathers who disciplined us, shouldn't we submit even more to the discipline of the father of our spirits and live forever? For our earthly fathers disciplined us for a few years doing the best they knew how. But God's discipline is always good for us so that we might share in his holiness. So here's the lie. I renounce the lie that you, Father God, are impatient or angry with me or have rejected me. This is a lie. It doesn't come from the Bible. It comes from our enemy, the devil, who would love us to keep our distance from God the Father. It's a lie. 
So here's the question. Has this lie crept into your mind? I, I don't know. How do you tell? It's kind of a hard thing to figure out about how we're actually thinking about God. Well, I'll give you a backwards way of answering the question. Are you often impatient with people? If you are, you may well believe that God is impatient with you. Are you often angry with people? If so, you may well believe that God is angry with you. Is it fairly easy for you to reject people and just push them off to the side? If so, you may wonder if God has rejected you and written you off. How we treat people is often a clue to how actually we really feel about God is treating us. Thankfully, the good news about Jesus and the gospel and the Bible just kind of says, no, that's a lie. So we'll go through it uh, kind of as a reminder, but also zero in on exposing the lie. God created us to be with him. Well, an impatient, angry, our God who rejects us wouldn't have bothered doing that, would he? No. He creates us to be with him. Our sins separate us from God. Our sins can't be removed by good deeds. We go, well, that sounds like we're moving into God being impatient with us or angry with us or rejecting us. No. God just being honest with us. Things aren't right. Before we knew Jesus, there was separation between us and God, and we couldn't do anything about it. And God's honest with us about that. Thankfully, paying the price for sin, Jesus died and rose again. Does that sound like a God who wants to reject you? No. This God sends his son to pay the price for our mess. This is patient, sacrificial love. The willingness of God the Father to do whatever he needs to do to bring his children back home. And then everyone who trusts in him alone has eternal life. That's the opposite of rejection. God actually giving us eternal life, the life of God in us now, that life with Jesus starts now and lasts forever. So God's not out to reject us. He's actually out to bring us into his family through his son Jesus. And so this lie that God is out to condemn is clearly exposed uh, by what the God's Spirit guided the Apostle Paul to write. Excuse me. Paul wrote, So now there is no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. None. So as we belong to Jesus, it's not, well, there's God still condemning us some because, you know, how we live our lives. Or there's just a sliver of condemnation left. No, Paul says there is no condemnation at all for those who belong to Jesus Christ. We trust the Son. The Son brings us to the Father as forgiven and dearly loved kids. And we don't live under this cloud of condemnation. Uh, during my elementary and middle school years, I lived in Seattle, Washington, actually in a suburb called Bellevue. It used to be a little place until Microsoft moved in. Now it's a big place. Weather was very different out there. Not as windy. Winters were much warmer. Rarely did it get below freezing. It snowed once a winter, maybe, and then the next day it melted. But my main memory as a kid growing up in Washington, western Washington, is the sky from September to April. Solid overcast. And an overcast sky in the Pacific Northwest means not little clouds with the sun poking through. It means one huge cloud that covers the entire sky. You cannot see the sun. We didn't see the sun until April. And I thought, that's just the way life is. You just live under the cloud and it drizzles every day. And 
In fact, it wasn't until I moved to the Midwest and as a high schooler that I realized the sun could shine in the winter. I had never seen it before. It was an amazing experience for me. So believing you're condemned by God is like living under an overcast sky. All day, every day, the sun and warmth of God's love, it just, we, we, we block it out because we think we're condemned. We're living underneath this cloud. We place our trust in Jesus and find out that there's no condemnation anymore. We're forgiven. We're God's dearly loved kids. And the sky parts, the condemnation goes away, and all that's left is the sunshine of the Father's love for us. Because Jesus and condemnation can't coexist together. Jesus kicks condemnation out the door, and he invites us in. Brings us to the Father. So we hold on to this biblical truth. I choose to believe the truth that you, Father God, are patient and slow to anger, and that when you discipline me, we'll talk about what that means, it is proof of your love, not rejection. And we need this, that God is patient with us, because we're in the process of maturing into the person God creates us to be, but we're on the way. We go up, we go down, we stumble, and there's always more to learn. So God the Father is watching us as we grow up into the character of Jesus. He's helping us by, through the Holy Spirit. He's patiently working with us. And when we stumble and fall, and when we stumble and fall again, and when we stumble and fall again, God is slow to anger. He's patient. And then scripture is clear, very clear that God disciplines us, not to reject us, but because in Christ we're his dearly loved kids and he helps us to grow up. So discipline, you may have equated it in your mind with punishment. You do something wrong, you get punished. And a lot, a lot of times that's, that's this mind of discipline. You, know, you pay a price for the wrong. It's your fault. But the way the Bible talks about discipline, it's more like being discipled. Punishment, you pay a price. Discipline is God is going to grow you up into the person he created you to be. He's going to disciple you, guide you, shape your life. You see, God the Father's discipline employs the challenges and difficulties of life for our benefit and for God's glory. So this is how life works. Home, school, uh, work, doesn't matter. Life's going as planned. Things are working out as we expect. And we want them to work out. And then suddenly, a monkey wrench gets thrown right in the middle and it messes everything up. And so immediately, we're disappointed. We get frustrated. We may get mad. And we begin to wonder, why isn't God helping out more here? And why can't he get things back to normal the way I want them to be? Then we remember God the Father's discipline, his growing us up, employs the challenges and difficulties of life for our benefit and for God's glory. So we, we, it changes the, the questions that we ask. When life goes crazy, we stop asking, why did God let this happen? Where's God at? Why does God do something? We start asking different questions. I don't like this chapter of my life, but what is God the Father teaching me? And how is God the Father maturing me through this situation so I gain more and more of the character of Christ? And eventually we start to say something like, isn't it great that God the Father is discipling me through all these circumstances in life to grow me up into the character of Christ so that I can bring the Father great joy? Or the Apostle Paul put it this way. 
Romans 5. And we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose. This is how God disciplines or disciples us. We're his dearly loved kids. We bring him great joy. So as it worked in our lives with everything that happens, the good, the bad, our successes, our failures, our health, our times of sickness, even suffering, to grow us up, to look and behave more like Jesus Christ. So that at the end, when Christ returns and we meet the Father, we bring him joy. He grew us up and we did it. and He gets to meet us face to face. That's why God the Father uses everything in our lives to grow us up into the character of Christ. Here's a picture of Boy Scouts uh, about to learn how to tie knots. Uh, this reminded me of a story, my story. Seventh grade boy in Scouts, had about 10 Scouts in our Scout troop out in Bellevue, Washington. And our Scout Master, Mr. Landon, one day handed out two lengths of rope for knot tying, just like in the picture. And he said... Uh, Okay, I'm going to teach you four knots. Square knot, two half inches, the sheet bend, and the bowline knot. I thought, okay, I want to learn these. And so I watched, we watched him, and then we took our rope and did exactly what he did with his rope and hands with our. I got the square knot, I got the two half inches, I got the sheet bend figured out, but the bowline knot, he couldn't do. Too complicated. There's lots of things going on with that knot if you know how to tie it. And the more I tried, the more I watched, the more frustrated I got. And I gave up. Now what I should have done is said, had my scoutmaster come over and put his hands on my hands and actually got, mentor me, guide my hands so I could tie it myself with him guiding me and then I would have been able to learn. But that didn't happen. I didn't learn the knot. I knew I had failed. Particularly because Mr. Landon, our scoutmaster said, it's the most important knot in the world to know. You can save someone's life someday. And I never learned the knot, so I'm probably not going to be able to save your life, sorry. So walking away from that meeting, I felt kind of judged. And sometimes that's how we see God. He's a judge. He watches our life ever so closely. And if we do it wrong, if we don't do it right, out. But that doesn't match up with Scripture. John 3.17, God sent his son into the world not to judge the world, but to save the world through him. So instead of saying God is a judge... We should see God as a, a mentor or a discipler. He's going to hands-on our life to help us learn how to grow up into the character of Jesus. Paul talks about it this way. We can rejoice, too, when we run into problems and trials, for we know that they can help us develop endurance. And endurance develops strength of character, and character strengthens our confident hope of salvation. And this hope will not lead to disappointment. For we know how dearly God loves us because he has given us the Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with his love. Now, if a person tries to live life without being one of God's dearly loved kids, apart from Christ, things look really different. Problems and trials come, we go, it's an obstacle. I can't be happy anymore. It takes away my happiness. It's a big obstacle. And we experience fatigue. We just get tired. And then we start slipping. We start doing things we normally wouldn't do, but... We're tired and we can't be happy anymore. And then we have doubts. Am I on the right track? Does God know what he's doing? Is there a God? And then ultimately we end up feeling rejected by God, by people, maybe even reject ourselves. That's a hard way to live. 
But when we belong to Jesus and are one of God's dearly loved kids, we start to see problems and trials differently. We go, oh, they're disciplined, are discipling. This is the way God the Father is going to grow me up. So instead of fatigue, we go, oh, this is so I can develop endurance. The Father's going to teach me how to make it through this and strengthen my ability to endure. And instead of slipping, we go, no, I'm going to develop strength of character, which means we have an increasing ability to do the right thing under stress. God helps that happen in us. And instead of doubting God and ourselves and everyone, we go, no. We develop this confident hope that God's going to work in us now and he will be till the end. Confident hope of salvation. Jesus is coming back. There will be a new heaven and new earth. And those who know Jesus will get to be a part of that. It's going to happen. Confident hope carries us through. And then instead of feeling rejected by all these problems and trials, we begin to realize we're deeply loved by God because he's working with us and he's going to grow us up even in this stuff that we're not excited about and don't even want. God's at work. That's why the Bible's so important. Get a free New Testament if you don't have one out there in the atrium and just pick up a bulletin on your way out and look up all the references of the verses I read today and you read them and start to get them into your mind and heart because life is too short to guess about God. We want the truth. The Bible helps us do that. So now we're ready as a church family to renounce the lie and affirm the truth. So let's stand up together. Stand with me, please. And uh, this actually is an important spiritual act for us individually and as a church family. So let's renounce this lie with strong voice together. I renounce the lie that you, Father God, are impatient or angry with me or have rejected me. Then we want to affirm this truth together. I choose to believe the truth that you, Father God, are patient and slow to anger and that when you discipline me, it's proof of your love and not rejection. Let's pray. God, we are so thankful and happy that we know you as Father through your Son, Jesus. And we're so glad that you are disciplining us, discipling us, growing us up, putting your hands on our lives and helping us become the people you call us to be. We trust you with that. And we invite your Holy Spirit to give us an increasingly deep sense that we are your dearly loved children and that we actually do bring you great joy. And all God's people say, Amen.